This episode of the Rad Broadcast is brought to you by Tech2U. Tech2U strives to deliver superior technical services from professional and friendly staff while maintaining their principles of credibility, accountability, and customer service as they grow. With locations all over Northern California, Southern California, and Las Vegas, Tech2U provides in-shop repair, mobile services for residential and business, and remote service provided online. Tech2U repairs everything ranging from printers, scanners, screen repair, motherboards, keyboards, touchpads. They'll even recycle electronics. Visit www tech2u.com that's tech the number two u.com or call 888-340-8324 that's 888-340-8324 for tech2u the rad the rad broadcast so robert how long have you been uh doing this stuff at Laguna Seca. Like, why do you, why do you why do you work at Laguna Seca? Why do I volunteer? Yeah. What do you do? What do I do, or why do I do it? Why do you do it first? I do it because I like I like racing. I like uh, I like everything, whether it's car racing. I don't like NASCAR. They just turn left, and I know it's going to piss people off, but they're not real racers. I like road course racing, and this is a true road course, uh, and. Uh, I like everything from bikes to cars, and it's a way to be involved in racing and not get hurt being on the track. And you used to you used to race. Yeah, we used to race. We used to do we used to do motorcycle racing. And um, as you get older, when you wreck, it hurts a lot more. <laughs> it you don't uh, you don't bounce back bounce back as quickly. So yeah. it's easier to drive around in a Ford truck and go, "Wow, that looks like it hurt," than <laughs> than actually be the person that hurts because. When you're motorcycle riding, as you know, if you've ever ridden one, it's you're gonna wreck. It's a matter of when. It's not. There's two different types of riders: those who will go down and those who have been down. Which well, means everybody's gonna wreck. Well, you were one of those guys that would ride a bike 120, stupid, 100, stupid, stupid, stupid speeds, stupid speeds on the road. And for how because, long did you do that? Oh my God, forever! It seems like a lifetime. The problem is, is that if you spend enough time on the track. And then you go out and you race with your friends, and then you end up on the road, and you're competitive. You forget about the cars because you believe that you're bulletproof when you're in your 20s and early 30s, and nothing's gonna hurt. Yeah, I, I can I can handle this, but it's, it's the it's the random deer, or the random dog that jumps out in front of you. That's mm-hmm. the problem. Uh, so to have something like that immobilize you or paralyze you for the rest of your life, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I and I my wife actually said it. She says that the male's brain does not comprehend risk assessment until the age of twenty seven. Hmm. So if I think about when I was younger, that's true. There was no risk assessment when I was in my early twenties, like, oh it feels good, I'm gonna do it. And you just do it. And then as you get older you start to go, Wow, that's gonna hurt. So you slow down a little bit, you pull back a little bit. That's the reason why I see a lot of people I think in racing, as they get older they slow down. Because they know it's going to hurt. I don't think that's just. I don't think that that's just with racing. I think that's just with, with a lot of things it's, that people do it's with throughout life. the 20s. Like drinking for me. Yeah. That's exactly how I treated drinking throughout my 20s. It was reckless and wild. And you just go from no, zero to a million. Zero and no regard for the consequences until you know you're faced with them, and ultimately, you know, you you get to this point where you have to face the reality of okay well if i continue this behavior 
it's either going to be the end of me or, you know. I Sadly, can't. a lot of people don't ever really face that. Yeah. They don't accept it. And, and they and end did, up. And what was, what was the point where you realized that you, uh, you thought that racing I, so fast was too much? Well, no. There's, as, I, as I've stated with you before in a conversation before, there's inherent dangers on the track. Yeah. I mean, we witnessed it today. Um, so there's inherent dangers on the track. People get hurt. People die. Not as many people die as they used to. But you, it's a controlled environment. When you're on the highway, you have the random 15, 16, 17-year-old uh, brand-new driver. And they're Facebooking and they're texting and they're driving around a car that they're not familiar with. And they don't have a lot of experience, so they don't know what they're doing, and they run over you. So if they run into you in your car, you're going to get mad because you got a dented car. They run over you on a bike and you're probably dead. So a motorcycle rider understands uh, defensive driving because that's how they have to live. Mm -hmm. The problem is the inherent dangers that are on the track are multiplied a million fold on the road so you're taking you're taking a lot more risk than being on the road and riding the way we used to ride uh, and the bikes are so ex I, I, I'm I consider myself a way better than average rider when I was riding uh, but still the bikes are so far and away advanced that I way beyond my ability and yet I still would 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 Right, it to its ability, and so that's well beyond what it should be doing on the road. Mm -hmm. And um, to answer your question, what changed that is when I had cancer, when I was in the hospital and I was going through recovery, I realized that not only am I <clears throat> am I uh, taking that risk on myself. If I die, everybody's fine because of life insurance, except I'm not here, which for some people may be all right. <laughs> not for us. <laughs> not for. Well, some oh, of my friends would laugh. I think they like might. You. I think they might have. They might have a party. Some of them. In your honor. In my honor. In yes. your honor, absolutely. Uh, but the, uh, um, but it's the it's the coming home or going out on a ride with my friends, and getting hit by a car or running into a deer. Uh, there's a famous broadcaster, motorcycle broadcaster that died a week ago. He was out riding and he hit a deer. A week ago today. Yeah. From this. From where we're so talking, a week and a half. Yep, he was really? out riding, uh, and Brian Dreber and uh, hit a deer, and died. Guy's been riding his whole life. Just a just a casual, just casual ride. Not nothing. Came around a corner, hit a deer. Nope. Wow. So it's not the ability of the rider; it's the object that you hit on the road. Yeah. And so the problem I have is that if you come home, you get injured, you come home, and you're paralyzed. Now your wife or your significant other, if you're a woman riding, uh, or whatever your significant other is, they have to take care of you. Mm -hmm. Take care of you in a wheelchair, or they have to take, and it, to, ex to expect somebody to do that for you, I believe is asinine. I believe you're, you're, you don't love the person if you're, if you're willing to do that. That's my own personal view, it's very subjective. I don't, I don't say that everybody should do that. I have friends that still ride, and I don't hold it against them, I'm just, I've, I'm somebody who I feel a certain way, but I don't force you to feel that way. It's mm -hmm. how I feel. It's subjective. And that's how I roll in my life with everything. It's this is how I am, and this is what I do, and this is what I choose to do. It doesn't mean that it's right for everybody. I feel like that's, that, that speaks a lot to everybody, anybody really, that 
chooses to do something that might be so risky that it doesn't matter what it is if you're a skydiver if you're a motorcycle racer or if you're a stuntman it doesn't matter what you do or even if you're just a truck driver like the, you take on this inherent risk and you weigh that balance of is it worth it is it worth doing this thing that I want to do and whatever the conse consequence may be is it gonna is it gonna be at the cost of myself or those around me and I've is it the is it the you you mentioned that you were diagnosed with cancer and that's is that the point when you were laying in the hospital bed that you thought okay now I could die any moment now why don't I just go out on the bike and ride as fast as I can or why don't I preserve my life is that is that really what it, what it came down to <laughs> I don't think it came down to that I mean I was in I was in a surgery that was only supposed to take an hour and a half and I was in there for six and a half hours and uh, anybody who's been in surgery for six and a half hours they understand what kind of toll it takes on their body and while I was sitting there in recovery not just in recovery but I was in the hospital for a week and a half to two weeks I was about two weeks <clears throat> I was on all these drugs and had these weird sleeping schedules and I just realized that wow, I could have died on the operating table and then I realized well, there's doctors all around me chances of that happening for somebody who's in his 30s probably not gonna happen um, but the crap that we did on our bikes the crap we did on the roads and the freeways and we weren't the people that did wheelies all the way down the freeway. We were the people that actually rode Dragon Knee through corners and like riding Auburn, Auburn Folsom Road and the posted speed limit's 15. And our rule was you had to be doing 100 plus the posted speed limit mid-corner. He's laughing because he did it. So you you come into a corner, It's 100, if you're going to be doing 150 mid-corner. you got to come into the corner at like 130 because mm -hmm. you're scrubbing off speed and then you're mid-corner. And it wasn't like there was somebody watching you. It's it was a competitive thing, and uh, that's stupid. I'm not trying to say that to make you wow. That's fast. No, it's dumb. It was dumb. But you come around a corner, it could be it could be somebody on the wrong side of the road. Mm -hmm. It could be a deer. It could be oil out of a transmission or or a transmission fluid out of transmission or oil out of a car across the road, and you and you lose you lose contact and you wreck. And maybe you hurt, maybe you slide across the road and somebody runs over you and you hurt the family that's in the car too because they try and swerve it. There's just so much that could happen. Mm -hmm. To do that is stupid. And we did it. Uh, and taking that risk and putting, not only myself, but other people at risk. But my fear or my thought was, I don't want to have my wife, who I'm just getting married to, uh, to have to take care of me. That's not fair. It's not fair. And that's, that is the reason why I quit riding on the road. Mm -hmm. And I still said, I'm doing track days, I'm gonna I'm still do racetrack stuff, but I'm not gonna do that uh, on the road. Now, I work so much that I don't have time to do track days, so this still leaves me involved with the racetrack, I'm still able to do stuff. And you've seen, because you've been here now a couple times, when you're with me, I, we can go anywhere. We can go in the hot pits, we can go in the garages, we can do anything. Yeah, so. So, so speaking of, I mean, the reason why we're here is that you've, You've th you threatened to bring us out here for as many years as we've been working. I don't know, four or five, six years. That I've been, been threatening here. for a while to yeah. for you and, to come, and you for and, some reason failed to do it. You, but in, in this last year, thing you know, things have worked out that we've been able to come out, and I'm I'm hooked. I, I love it. And but you've been involved with Laguna Seca, this track in, in particular, for over 20 years, right? Well, I've been doing, 
I've been doing this stuff with Scramp 10 years, but I've been coming Scramp. to this track. What is Scramp? Uh, it, Scramp is a nonprofit organization that actually, in 1956, <clears throat> this property was Fort Ord. This was a military base. And prior to that, there was a there's a event that's called the Concourse d'Elegance, which is in Carmel, which was two weeks ago. And uh, the Concourse d'Elegance, it's super wealthy people go there and they bid on cars, make them auto auctions, that kind of stuff, if you're familiar with that. They buy these really ridiculous cars and they were driving them on 17 mile drive, racing them, uh, which is a public road, and they were dying. And Fort Ord, the military police, were the ones that had to patrol a lot of that. And so they gave this property to Scramp. It was a nonprofit organization that was, uh, it's the Sports Car Racing Association of Monterey Peninsula. From the 1950s. 1956, and they gave this property to us. I wasn't alive then, I know I'm old, but I'm not that old. Uh, <laughs> they gave it to us, and then they said, build a racetrack so these people quit dying on 17 Mile Drive. So in 1957 was the first race, and there was a purpose-built racetrack for the cars to build it that were that were with the Concourse Elegance would come here and race them here on a controlled course. Which is crazy because if you look at this course, I mean, you can look at the course from Google Maps and you can look at it online and everything, but if you see it in person, it looks like one of the most dangerous tracks you could ever race on. It's not the most dangerous. But it looks... It's, it's, it's unnerving. Yes. It is unnerving. Especially uh, the corkscrew. The one thing that we look at from our campground right here is looks like one of the most insane things to do it's, at, it's a little at scary. the speeds that they do. Yeah. Not just motorcycles, but cars. Your in, I mean, inter interest into the corkscrew is a blind entry. So if, you don't, if you've never been on the track, uh, it is a... It'd be a little terrifying if it's your first time. So they say and everybody loves it. So the government says, okay, don't, don't race on these roads that people keep dying on. Go in this controlled environment where it looks. I mean, from all appearances, is a very deadly course. You know what's really funny, and most people don't know this, is that this track. Most tracks, when you go to, like the track Coda which is the newest track in America. It's Circuit of the Americas down in Austin, Texas. It's a beautiful track. It was a purpose-built racetrack for motorcycle racing and Formula One. Uh, I forget how many billions of dollars it took to build that track, but it was, as it was a guy who was a designer that built it and they did all. So when they built this track, how they built it is they gave a guy with a skip loader permission to just drive around. Hmm. So Kenny Roberts, senior, came out here and they, they used to have from turn 11 to turn 2, it was a straight shot. There was no kink. There's a rise. You come out under start-finish bridge, and there's a rise that comes up now, and there's a kink that actually goes to the left. So you have to slow down. Uh, and then it drops down to turn 2, which is a decreasing radius turn. What it did is it went straight. It went straight from 11 to 2. And Kenny Roberts came here and said, you got to fix that. And he said, why? I said, because I'm coming up there on a 500 GP two-stroke. I am going to be full pin, and I'm going to hit this hill, and I'm going to launch over this hill, and I won't be able to save it. So you have to kink it so that it'll make us slow down. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay. So the skip loader <laughs> made it. And the corkscrew was he just made a turn. That so this was not a design by some brilliant person. This track was accidentally designed perfectly. Just based around the setting that it's in. Exactly. It's just like, okay, you have this Natural piece of hills. property yep. and we're gonna put a, a we're gonna pave the road around it 
and yeah. this is just how it's going to be. Now the track used to go from turn two and used to climb all the way to turn six. It was straight. It was a so the infield that comes at turn two now, okay. and it goes into turn three, four, and then hits five and then climbs. Well, from turn two, it used to go straight. But the cars were going so fast by the time they got to the top uh, near the corkscrew that they had to put the infield. So they added turns two, yeah. three, four, and five to give it a lot more. Um, it's better for viewers because car. I mean, now the way the cars and, and motorcycles go, they would it would there would be people dying here every every race. So by doing that, when they did that, and it was in the 80s, that actually, I think the track is better. People were dying in well, people, every race? Well, no, 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 no. I'm saying they, they would have been. They would oh, have been okay. if if the track was the configuration originally was now. I see. The cars you're seeing out here this weekend, oh, they'd be flying With the off the track. the technology they yeah. have and the, exactly. the speeds. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there are people that die at this track doesn't happen as often. Um, there was a serious accident today. Uh, yeah, she was life flighted out. There was a couple years ago, there was three motorcycle riders that died at World Superbike right on uh, turn one, that kink oh, I was talking wow. about. There's been, uh, there was a guy who died up where the lady wrecked today, where they had to cut her out of the car up on the top of the course. So there's been really seriously bad accidents. Uh, I saw a guy between turns two and three it was a warm-up lap on a motorcycle, and he just throttled it too hard. It broke loose, and it shot him off and penciled him into the into the barrier. And doesn't matter what kind of helmet you have, if you hit head first in a concrete barrier, you're not going to make it. So, it is as I go back to the beginning when we were talking. There's inherent dangers on a track. Yeah, but it's controlled. So, yeah. you can do like my friends said earlier. You can go out and you can put around and have a good time, or you can go wicked fast at least you're in control of those inherent dangers mm -hmm. a lot of times unless some some squid passes you on the inside and takes you out um other than that if you're the only one out there it's up to you so you can turn up the level of risk as you as depending on how fast you go so on a bike you, so you're you're scramp now and and scramp is 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 what exactly <coughs> Scramp is the nonprofit organization that actually operates Laguna Seca. And um, I volunteer, we've volunteered now for 10 years, and I love it. It's, and it's not just what happens at the track all day, it's this. It's the camaraderie, because we have a lot of volunteers, we have a really group of people that come up, and it's the cooking, it's, the, it's just the energy, it's the vibe. Like we were talking earlier, it's that doesn't matter if you're making a million dollars a year if you're making ten thousand dollars a year everybody here is equal some people have nicer rigs but as far as as far as diesel pushers or as far as toy haulers or they're sleeping in a tent there was a gentleman who came last the live very last race showed up in a 918 spider a porsche 918 spider which when you bought that car two years ago or a year ago it was a million dollars you can't touch one for under two million he had it parked right out here and he had a tent behind it. So if you judge a guy by what he's staying in, it's the wrong, it's the wrong. Uh, so nobody judges anybody here. Everybody's here, we're all race fans, and money and income and all that, it's not, that has nothing to do with it. Because we're here watching what's on the track. Mm -hmm. And you're here as an individual, and people just get along. We were talking about how it, it could be considered kind of like 
a Burning Man type of environment where maybe it's, it's almost Burning like Man a common, was created. I right, mean, Burning Man now has become more corporate. It's totally different now, but it, where everybody kind kind of tends to gather around one common interest. But doesn't matter what social stature you come from; it, it's just everybody is able to relate and, and be in that element together. And I agree with you, yeah. but I think there's a lot of race. Diehard race fans would go, wait a minute. We're you're, not you're equating You're equating racing to Burning we're, Man? We're not hippies. <laughs> weird people. That's right. That's right. Burning, Burning Man. Burning Man are weird people, but I think that also Burning Man people might think that racing people are weird because, like, why would you want to go so fast? Why would you want to go... Like, why would you want to... Why would you want to go at such ridiculous speeds and, and risk your life? But I, I get it. When I see it, it's an adrenaline rush that you cannot compare. Yeah. Uh, and you and you were riding bikes before you got started with Scramp, right? Like you oh, were yeah. you were doing the same kind of racing that they do on this track, but just on probably not nearly hills. as fast as the guys that are on this track. But yes, that's yeah. what I was doing, yeah. uh, and it was it was a blast. I mean, it's it is a. Uh, I was I was I was talking to Brian about this yesterday, because when I got here, just for for shits and giggles, I took my F-350 out on the track on Tuesday or Wednesday. How are you able to do that? You just, uh, just because, because you I'm, are who you are? Yeah, because yeah, I'm scrapping. Hey, I just drove on the track. I took it on the track and did like five laps, but I'm not going fast. I mean, How it's fast an F-350. Did you go? How I fast don't you go? know. It's not fast enough to break loose. Hi, how are you? Good. <laughs> anyway, I... Yeah, Dylan. Hi, Dylan. How are you, buddy? You're awesome. I don't care what Brandon says about you. You're awesome. <laughs> so, it's it's not a it's it's not it's not how it's it's not how fast I was going. It's the it's the opportunity of being able to take a nine thousand pound piece of equipment on a track that it shouldn't be on yeah it just kind of makes it fun yeah for sure. um at the same time my wife has a bmw and i was talking to brian about it and i said i would really much rather have that out there and that would have been more fun to go on <laughs> but at the same time i told him i said do you know how fast we would have to go in a car to be able to get the same adrenaline rush that you get on a bike yeah, and he went. You'd really have to flog it. I mean, but you can't. They get. You're you going around feel, a corner. It doesn't feel the same way. You're going around a corner. You're dragging knee, and you feel that wind, and yeah. it's impossible. It's it. It would be impossible. So you have to. I don't know. You'd have to. It, it can't. It's there's no. Unless you've done it, there's no. I, I guess skydiving may be the closest thing. Yeah. But skydiving, you're falling at 120 miles an hour. And it's so one our direction. Bikes do you that don't, in third you don't gear. have control over turning. I mean, you do. But it's not like with with motorcycles where you're like, okay, I have to make this this ridiculous turn to the right, and you have to maneuver it just the right way in order to get to the direction you're going to go. With with skydiving, it's like, okay, you're falling. You're falling. And you need to go to a left or the right. Yeah, you can do that, but it's not. It's nowhere near the the level of skill that it takes for which top of the sport would be MotoGP rider. The skill level that it takes to do that, there are very few people that have that that talent. Mm -hmm. It's, it is. Valentino Rossi was a nine-time world champion. Um, there was somebody who was talking about it, and there was a doctor who actually there was, 
his a guy was racing against him, Max Biaggi, both from Italy. Max Biaggi, the, the doctor, actually hooked up heart monitors to him while they were while they were racing because he wanted to see what the heart monitor was doing. And he said, Biaggi is a tactician and he's super competitive and he's out there and he wants to win. He's a driver. And his heart rate was like 180 to 200 beats a minute. Rossi was like 80 to 100 beats a minute. And they were doing the same thing. What? Rossi's just out there having fun. Now, there's no way that my heart was doing that when I was on a bike. No but way. That's, that's a different, that is a different level of... Yeah, comfort it, level. Yeah. yeah, I mean it, to to have a to have somebody that has that kind of talent. It's, it's really eighty to almost ninety percent mental. Those guys do. It's, oh, it's so much mental preparation. And mental. Those guys know the track. They think about the track at night. The turns. They just yep. memorize the track. Yeah, it's it's insane. So the it, I think it was Kevin Schwantz was saying because he went from motorcycle racing, he went into car racing. And in an interview, he was talking about, this is the, the easiest way you can explain it. He said, the first time I got, and he, used, he was racing Corvettes. So the first time I got behind the wheel, I was, uh, I was racing, and, I, and I, was, I was going in a turn, and I noticed the car wasn't doing what I was, what I was doing, so I shifted my weight in the seat, thinking that it would fix the car. Because that's what you do on a bike. Mm-hmm. You, your body weight, where you're weighting the peg, where your knee is, where your where your legs are, where you're weighting the tank as you're going in a turn, that will completely change the geometry of the bike. And he said, he said, when I moved myself in the seat, it didn't do anything. And it, and and it's funny because you have a guy who's a world champion saying that. It's just, I notice I do that when I'm driving. I all like, oh, it doesn't do anything. So. <laughs> I'm in the razor and I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to lean way over. It's not doing anything. It's not doing anything. It makes you look good, though. Yeah. You make me look good. That's right. <laughs> you must be wanting something if you're giving me compliments like oh, that. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, it, I just think it's a it's a different level. It's hard to it's it's hard to um, understand. Like we were talking to Lauren, you met Lauren. Lauren's been racing Porsche for the last thirty years. He was out there racing today, and I went down and I saw him in the paddock yesterday. He was up here drinking with us last night. And uh, when you when you talk to him and he talks about racing, he talks about the car. And and today we were down there and he's talking. Uh, Philippe was down talking to him, asking him about the track and the temperature this afternoon. If that's going to bother him, and he goes. Well, the temperature's not the problem. The problem is, and he's going into all these details, and and it's things that the average person doesn't think of. He's not talking, just the weather, not just the condition of the track, but what it's else? It's, what else is he thinking about? So he's saying there's ambient temperature, there's track temperature, there's how much rubber has been laid on the track. Has there been any accidents on that corner? Like has what, all what, day? Is, what has been done on the track right. as and far it's, as and, other and drivers? And it's like you were saying, it, this is like... It's an 11-turn track. He said it's 11 different opportunities for me to screw up. Wow. And he said, and depending upon who's in front of you, and when you're in a car, it's different because a car can go off the track and throw dirt up on the track. Usually bikes don't do that because when they do that, it ends up really badly for the one who went off the track. Unless it's a dirt bike, but these aren't dirt bikes that are on this track. So yeah. 
with cars and he said then are sand and you get sand in your tires and your tires don't clean off so then it just scrubs off your speed and then the guy behind you passes. Mm. So there's so many things that are going through your mind the whole time. Plus Every you're trying single small little detail really does affect just everything. the millisecond yep. of time that you have on that track. Yep. At that level, yes. Yes. At that level. Yeah. Pushing everything to limit. Pushing everything to limit. Man. Car, you Mentally, physically, physiologically. <laughs> yes, everything. <laughs> yeah. And also the, the competitive level of, of your mind and, and what you're doing with other people. And, and, I mean, not to mention it, but the physical cost. Yeah. Right? It's like... At what cost will this take for me to take this turn at right. the speed? And what if, I, what if I lose it and I wreck yeah. my car and, and I'm driving around a Porsche that costs... $200,000 and I got to buy a new motor that's 30 grand. Yeah. And I got to and everything if it's a spec racing Porsche, you have to buy everything from Porsche. You can't just go off the shelf. You got to buy it from them. So it it is a different animal that these guys, it's a different, a different world, world. they yeah. It is and especially since I'm just a guy who just wants to hang out and camp and just have fun, but to be a spectator of this and for to see these people just you know they they basically live their lives around this investment of this one vehicle maybe not just this one vehicle but many vehicles and they're just riding through the paddock and seeing all of the money that they put into this this one race but this it isn't just this one race they they're doing a tour Still all around the world and doing this thing and a track by track and it's like okay why and how do they make all this money and how do they how do they afford all of you know that like that's the question that i come up with when i when we drive through there is how do they come up with all this money to do this well it's different levels so if you're talking about like Waylon or you're talking about uh, corvette or you're talking about audi or flying lizards or uh, Rail well, Letterman, for those IMSA, that's for this for yeah, this type okay, of event but, today. But you've got five different classes on the track. So the ones that to answer your question, the big boys that are out there that are just wicked fast, those are the ones that they have actually pro race pro racers. Joey Hand, you have Fittipaldi, you have uh, I mean just Daryl Franchitti. You get these guys these out are the here. These celebrities of the racing circuit. They are yeah. the they, they're pro racers. They're getting paid. Yeah. So sponsors and do that. Okay. The ones you're talking about that I can't answer the question for, you got to ask them, is the guys who are more the privateer style. Yeah. Like Lauren, like I was just talking to. So he's got a he's got a coach that he pulls around his trailer. Coach is 500 grand. His trailer is another 100 grand, 150 grand. He's probably got $300,000 wrapped up in his, in his car. And uh, then you've got to pay... He's paying probably ten thousand dollars in registration fees to get here to race. Oh my god! And then just to uh, get in the track. Well, for him to race, so he's got his he's got his fees to race, and then if he breaks anything, he's got to replace that. Well, yeah. So, he, all in all, I mean, this weekend for him probably cost him thirty thousand dollars. Jesus Christ! And if he wins, great. But if he doesn't win, it's it's an expense. Yeah. So it is a it's like it's like some people you know make golf, and it's an expensive hobby. No, this is an expensive hobby. <laughs> <laughs> this is the hobby that that you might win and you might get a little bit of money, contingency money from tires or from pores or something like that. But 
So it's, these, these it's are only guys, to offset what you've already spent. So these are guys that are doing it for fun, right? Like this is their these, hobby. they're not they're not are doing just, it like these these are guys like you. You you have a real job. You you're a financial advisor, you've got a smoke junction cafe and you're doing this I basically you're doing no scram on fun. Yeah. And they're doing That's the same thing, just on a different level. Way different. It doesn't cost me nearly as much to come down here as it does on this. <laughs> Except I do have to take I, I do have to take a, a a challenge when you say you want to come here and go camping. Do you think, Brian, we should let him go camping next time he comes down? Because this isn't really camping. This is glamping. This, this is, is glamping. glamping. Yes, I know this is it. glamping. But it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's this fun. is Italian this, camping. Once again, you choose the level of glamp. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can, How we can, glampy we can be, do I want to be? Yes. You further up the hill and, you know, be roughing a little uh, bit more. But There's also what you were saying. Sorry to interrupt, but just to put my two cents in. There's so many different levels of what that guy's doing. I did. I mean, it cost me ten grand for a season to race, but that was just at the bare bones level. I mean, I raced little fifties and eighties on a West on Mars. a on a go kart track for twelve years, and Dumb. loved the shit out of it. So yeah. there's, it's not about how much money you put into it. It's just that level you can go to to do it. There's there's guys that I've raced AFM with that come out here and will race this one AMA event. It's mm-hmm. way out of their caliber. It's the same caliber as these guys are doing for AMA. Which uh, is now Moto the, America, right? Or Moto America, which is now Moto America. But the guys, even the local level, the grassroots guys, you know, like I did for three years, four years. I they'll, raced, they'll try right? and qualify. Yeah, and they'll that, come out here, and a lot of them do. Yeah. And, and, they'll, and they'll qualify, yeah. and they probably won't win, but guess what? If yeah. you're on the track and you're losing to somebody like a Jonathan Ray, no, it's, it's like if I could have the opportunity... Yeah. Or Brian could have the opportunity, or Dylan had the opportunity, or any of my friends that ride, to get on the track and lose to Valentino Rossi. That would be epic. It's all I'd be the guy in the very, very back going, I raced against Valley, so I'm go by me. He lapped me. It was awesome yeah, because I was, it's. I was next to him for <laughs> that one corner. That one corner. <laughs> he went by me really quickly. That's the thing. It's, it, it's it all is, about the experience. It it's is. not about being the best. It, but you want to be the best. You're, you're going to push yourself. Yes. Whatever level it is, yes. it's 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 yeah. not. It doesn't. It's at a level that you are capable of. Yeah. So you get around a bunch of guys that are at that same level, or you get out on the street with a bunch of your buddies, and you go rip it up, or you get out on the track. The track is the cool part for me. Same with him as well. You've seen him doing for all these years. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter the money. It's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's racing. It's yeah. just period racing. You, so, you really want to put you do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the guys with the one of the best. Though, they're yeah. having a good time. They are. <laughs> so to kind of put that into a, a microcosm of somebody who was a professional racer, who a lot of people believe that Ayrton Senna was the best Formula One driver of all time, and I agree. Uh, people, some people say Michael Schumacher. Michael Schumacher said the best racer of all time is Ayrton Senna. Aaron Senna said, and he made it all the way to Formula One, and he died racing Formula One. And um, he said, the most fun I've ever had racing, the most competitive racing I've ever done that I enjoy and I wish I could go back to was pure racing, was go-kart racing. There was really? no politics. There was no politics. Yeah, yeah. It, every, everybody, everybody has basically the same machine. It's the same type motor. And it is pure... <laughs> driver ability and he he said that was the most fun 
that's pure racing. It's not statisticians. It's not tires. It's not uh, electronic controls. It's not traction control. It's not. It's it's the it's the driver yeah. or the or the racer. That's it's what the driver, that's what, the machine, and the track. Period. That's what you're saying. Why saw racing? He probably had more fun doing that because. You're just out there, yeah. and you're at Prairie City, just and you're doing just, it. You're having fun. A guy his size riding a fifty, yeah, or an eighty cc YSR. It's just one of those things that people do, and you just pick your level. Yeah, it's like with me, Jenny and I. We work so much. Uh, we own two businesses, and we do this. We don't have any free time. But if I'm going to do something that's fun, I come down here. I enjoy this, and I enjoy spending time with people like you. And it is. It's fun. And and for me, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, because if I wasn't here, I'd be working. I'd be at home working. I'd find a, something to do. Yeah, it's a level so of recreation. So this forces me yeah. to not... I schedule it off to where I'm not working. Yeah. Well, I'm very grateful for being a part of it. And, I mean, the, the, the level that you're involved, I still don't know. And I'm very curious about because you've been so entrenched with scramp and in the track that I mean like 20 plus years you said well I've been doing this with scramp for about 10 years but I've been coming to this track for 35 40 years as a spectator so just being a spectator is where you started before you even well that and then and, and racing and stuff like that but okay. yeah and then they approached me and wanted me to become an assistant director because wow. just the way I the way I am and and I'm pretty type a and I'm pretty organized about the stuff. go-getter type of personality you've got yeah. okay I I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I I wouldn't say that about myself but to, to where I would where I would um, where if they if there's a job that needs to be done, I do it. Mm -hmm. I get it done. And when you work in a volunteer situation, and it's a difference between maybe a, a business owner and a W two employee. Not that there's anything wrong with W two employees, but business owners tend to figure out a way to do it and get it done and handle it. Uh, and uh, uh, they approached me live? because they saw that. I'm sorry. Are you live? Yes. Because I've been entertaining this crowd for the past hour by myself. So when's this gonna wrap? That would be up to him. Pretty soon. Okay. We'll be out there. I can't do this by myself. Okay. Alright. And then there's that. It's <laughs> <laughs> the wife stuff. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I was. That <laughs> was great. When it as I can't do this much longer though. Um it is a, uh, it's, it's a, I enjoy coming out here. I enjoy doing this. This is fun. And, and I'll keep doing it until it stops being fun. And when you're not doing the, the track thing, you're, you're doing the smoke junction thing. We're financial planners. We have a fin financial planning firm that we've been doing for, uh, 25 years. And, uh, um, we do estate planning and we do retirement planning and all that kind of stuff. And then we accidentally bought smoke junction cafe. What? This December will be seven years ago. I think that's a good good accident. You For know? yes, it is. It is really good. I mean, there's such a. It's so different. I mean, compared to the financial planning thing. I mean, you you have to force yourself to come up with ideas for food. 
and well, serving the public and it's, yes. it's a totally different arena it is and it's a you, the joke is do you know how to become a millionaire restaurant owner start with two million dollars restaurant business you don't do to make money you do the restaurant business because yeah. it's labor of love exactly and we enjoy our customers we enjoy uh, when you prepare something and somebody eats it and they go wow that was amazing it's the best thing I've ever had it's that little bit of like good they, they appreciate that when we purchased the cafe it was kind of around the time that the market crashed so it was a, it was it was different when we're sitting there talking to people, it's like, wow, you know, there's not really a lot of bright stuff to talk about. Yeah, what are you thinking? Yeah, so um, this gave us something as an outlet. And uh, so we bought it and we turned it around and it's it's pretty successful and, and, and the feedback we get from people are, is really, really good. So, and we partnered up with, uh, with you guys and uh, I think the turkey brain thing was a little bit overwhelming the first time we did it. And when I was talking to Rob, it was, he said, well, I think this is going to be pretty good. And it'll be way bigger than we thought it was going to be, which is okay. And now we know going into it, that is. Could you imagine that a preparation for. Brian Apalooza? A, a, pol a poultry dish oh, no. No, would be so popular? No, 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 I didn't. I even talked to Rob about it. I said, "Really, dude? Really? It's, it's, it's herbs, sugar, yeah. and right. It's, it's a it, bag of brine. Right. It's like, a bag what, of brine. What is this going? Why do? are people going to buy this? But and year after year, it's a hit. Sell out. Yeah. Sell out. What is that? I, I don't get. I it. don't get it. Either. I don't get it. People it is like, good though. People like it. People like good food, and people they do. like the good. You know, people need that nudge. I think. Whatever that edge is, and apparently the brine is the edge to Rob, get them to that level. Look, I, I don't know if Rob's going to listen to this, but I have to say that he—he he probably will, but not to this point. Like, yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. So I'll say whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I believe that he was brilliant to come up with that because uh, to market that and and see the success that it's had is is huge. I mean, I I would have never guessed Turkey yeah. Brian would have done that, but. You know, to give even more credit to Rob that he would never partner with somebody like you unless he believed that it was a, you know, a strong partnership. And yeah, he's I, a good I'm, guy. I'm happy to have met you through the show and, you know. Even though I knew you before you were born because I knew your dad. That's true. Yeah. It's just the weirdest separation. Like It is. And, and it's it's kind of comforting, but at the same time, it's a little scary. A little weird. Yeah. <laughs> a little weird, Yes. Being from Georgetown, yeah. Shh, we don't tell so anybody you, about that. Were you really born in Georgetown? Were you, mm -hmm. is it, no. I was born in Sacramento. I was born in Sacramento too. Born in Sacramento, my dad. My dad worked for the Sacramento uh, Police Department, and being with the police department back then, he was so scared because uh, Sacramento was such a he said pile of crap because it's so much crime. Yeah. Uh, Compared the 60s. to Georgetown, right. So they moved to Georgetown. We actually didn't live in Georgetown. We lived in uh, Garden Valley, which is still pretty close. So the divide. Uh, yeah. So and uh, went to school up there and and uh, graduated and got out of there as soon as I graduated. Yeah. Me I think too. we all do. Yeah. You have but to. But then, but then looking back, and I have to ask you because you grew up up there. Yeah. Looking back now, you're older. You go. It was a good thing to grow up up there. Why? Because it yeah. Gave you why? Why did I move out? Right. No, honestly, I. I miss it. I really do. And I love that I grew up there because 
and I'm going to be completely candid here, the only reason why we moved back up to Georgetown is because I shit my pants in first grade. You ha He hasn't shit his pants here, has he? Not here. No, okay, not good. yet. Good. No, good. but because my, my, my parents saw something really... <laughs> I'm gonna leave that one alone. That was funny though. It was very well played. Thank you. My my parents saw something really wrong with the fact that the teachers didn't let me go to the bathroom. And, and what where 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 what school were you going to? At it that was time? in Sacramento. I was I was born in Sacramento. My parents and family were all living down there. And I don't tell anybody this story. So you, you're welcome. You're telling a couple people this story right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Probably have a lot more than a couple. It's it's gonna kind of be broadcast right yeah it's okay uh Editing. it happens um but yeah i had to go to the bathroom real bad and, you know, my teacher wouldn't let me and i ended up going that taking a shit in my pants and they they didn't they didn't really you know do anything so the end of the day came it was like the middle of the they didn't middle do of anything no, they didn't do anything oh, they just, that's, yeah so that's horseshit the end of the day sorry my my, my parents yeah good one my, my mom came out and said, why do you smell like shit? And I said, I shit my pants. And my, my, my teacher didn't let me go to the bathroom. And uh, See, so I they was said, the, okay, I was... We're, we're moving to Georgetown. We're going but why to Georgetown? Where... Oh, because your dad. Because both my parents, not just my dad, but my mom also, my parents both met up in uh, Golden Sierra. They both oh, went to okay. school together. That's, I didn't know your mom went up there, too. Yeah, they were both, They I was conceived basically in their senior year of high school up in uh, Golden Sierra. So... Well, not they knew at Golden Sierra. Yeah, that Golden Sierra. No, I mean they you weren't conceived at Golden not Sierra. Not at Golden Sierra. Okay, I no. just want to clarify. I that. don't know where exactly. Okay, probably they, a good idea not to delve into that any further. <laughs> they didn't get that specific. <laughs> no. <laughs> you think? Yeah. But wow, given the timeline, I can gather they were both at the same school. Um, so that that gave them so the they they that, that gave them the nudge to say you know what we need to take you to a school to an an, an area that'll let you go to the bathroom yeah they'll let me take a shit when I need to <laughs> they had to take me up to Georgetown well, to do it but honestly right down that tree partner it's all good <laughs> <laughs> you did want to do this after after I've been drinking so there were more it. trees there were more trees. there are more trees. Yeah. Hey, can I use the bathroom? Yes, we heard about you. Go to the bathroom. <laughs> My education experience was much different once we moved up there, and I am grateful for having that. It is a, I, it was. I think it was a gift to live up there because we didn't have the amenities that they had in the city. And I personally, the way I was, see, if that were me, what I would have done is I probably taken my pants down and crapped on her desk. I was a different kid than you were. I don't know. You know. That's just me. That's what I would have done. I said, at, okay, at, then at I'm going to go. I'm, at a kindergarten, first yes. grade level, yep. Yep. you would have done oh, that? Oh, yeah. 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 I was different. Yeah. I was, people are just <laughs> <laughs> so, so people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> That's right. They want to watch the world burn. The, uh, uh, but so I think that living up in Georgetown for me, or Garden the Divide for me, is it, it gave me an opportunity to stay out of trouble. Yeah, me too. I, As I, I, there's not, I mean, the time you played outside all day, riding your bicycle, riding your motorcycle, for miles, bike, yeah. you were so tired, you couldn't do anything else. So well, it was, were, it was there, great. There wasn't any influences to to get any in trouble. There was nothing than, to do other than pushing around sticks and you know fishing, riding your bike and. Uh, Hunting, fishing, fishing, hunting, yeah, yeah. hiking, yes. all that stuff. Yeah. 
Something to be said about. It was a gift. Something said about that for sure. There was a lot of negative up there, but it was a gift growing up up there. There's a lot of negative in, in any town, you know. That's right. There is. It's all about the people. Right. So when it comes down to it, it's That's not true. about the people, but the environment is the what teacher changes. That you had in kindergarten was you. the people. She was bad. That teacher was. I'd look her up. I would, what teacher? The teacher that had you crap in your Me? pants. Me? Oh, I would, I would yeah. find her. And I'd, well, you know what I'd do. I don't, uh, well, shit on her desk. I would. Yeah. I'd, retired, I'd crap on her front door. Well, I, I think we're, uh, we're running out of time here. We are running out of time, probably. Your Especially wife. my wife did say that we need to go out. So. Well, thank I'm you glad that you actually came down to the track. I'm glad you and Haley came down. Oh, Mrs. Okay. Brandon came no, down. Okay. And I'm glad that we did too. I think that it's been long overdue, and this is the second time. So it's one of those experiences. What do you What do you What do you like better? You like the cars, or do you like the bikes? You know, it's two different environments. That's right. It is different. I it, the so the super bikes is more of a kind of like a uh, like a bro fest. Whereas the, the event today, the IMSA, is more of a laid-back, ritzy type of thing. And I know there the, there's another race that's coming up that's kind of even more ritzy than oh, this. Oh, yes. Rensport. Rensport? And, yeah. and what is that? That's well, Porsche. All Porsche? Just nothing all but Porsche. Because Por- there's Porsches out there on the track today, yeah. but it's just nothing but Porsche on Rensport. Nothing but Porsche. Yeah. So Rensport... Yeah. Okay. So Rensport basically is what AMG is to Mercedes. Yeah. Or Dynan is to BMW is Rensport. It happens every four years. And they're coming back here and it's we're I mean, it is gonna be huge. Like a hundred thousand people? Eighty to a hundred grand, yeah. Yeah. So what is your favorite event? Like compared to IMSA and Superbike that I've been to, what's oh, your favorite? If I had a pick it would be MotoGP. They don't come here anymore. Moto MotoGP. GP? MotoGP was my favorite. And since they don't come here anymore... Is that an international event? Yes. World. World event. International, that would be world. World, international? (laughs) (laughs) We're international world. How about international slash world? Yeah, it works. Uh, MotoGP was my favorite. Um, But looking at the races that are here now, this weekend is my favorite. Really? I like Superbike, but Superbike, World Superbike, has gotten to the point where it's so follow leaderish. Um, not a lot of passing. There's not. It just doesn't have the oomph that it, that it used to have. Five uh, years ago, World Superbike was the best racing. Yes. Yes. Now, not so much. Not so much. It's a manufactured thing. It is. Mm. So. Good racing, but it's still a manufacturer. Would you good. consider? Would you consider NASCAR like a superficial race? I consider NASCAR shiny cars going left. Yeah. It's basically... Nowhere near. It's a big purple elephant that's taking all the money out of racing. Everybody's... All the sponsors' money is going to NASCAR, but NASCAR has the following. They have a lot of people that watch it because... That's why they have all the Okay, so if you're a NASCAR fan, you turn on the race, you watch Pocono, you watch Talladega, whatever. You turn on the race, you watch them start. You literally could walk away Come back and turn on for the last five minutes, and you haven't missed anything. It's exactly the same. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe there's a couple accidents. See, I when you're a road course fan, the last thing you want to see is accidents because usually people get hurt. Yeah. And I know that. 
NASCAR people like accidents, or maybe not like them, but they like to see them. Well, you watch it for the train wreck. Right. You watch it. For so the there's crash. a gentleman right yeah. down here that that we parked him a couple nights ago, and uh, camping. And he said, so this first time he's been here, I was driving him down to the uh, start finish grandstands today, and he said, so I, I I like NASCAR. He said, where's the best place on the track to watch accidents? And I said, I don't know. I'll tell you the most technical parts of the track. Hmm. But I really don't want to see accidents. Because people get hurt, like the lady today. Because the track is fast enough and it's so technical that when you make a mistake, it can really bite you. Or something happens to the car. Right. Vice versa. Or you something happens to the car. Even been anything which we think is what happened to her today. Could have, brakes could have gone on, something could have went weird on the car, and it does happen. And, and that's what brings people to this track, is to see people be able to maneuver those technical terms you want to and see their not ability. crash right. you don't you don't want to see no those pile-ups you want to and i i totally I see some kick-ass racing yeah i want to see some close racing i want to see some racing where people are you see the skill of the racer yeah i want to see that talent yeah anybody could crash go go sit on highway 80 i'm sure you're gonna yeah. see people crash all the time <laughs> <laughs> to me that's what nascar is yeah NASCAR to me is not racing. I now, agree. I'm sure I'll get some flack from that, but who cares? It doesn't matter. It's not racing. It's shiny cars going left. I agree. <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> he knows I'm gonna get crap on that one. <laughs> I'm gonna hear about that a lot. You just lost your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't give a shit. No, it's uh, it's no, but yeah, it's definitely takes talent for what they do. Yeah, and I'm I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I don't care for NASCAR. Oh, it does I'll take talent. I'll watch them on a road course, though. You fucking flog around. And what do those things weigh? Twenty five hundred pounds, twenty eight hundred pound car. You flog those around a road a road course. It's a badass watching wood. The yeah. problem I have, and you know this because but you're a race still fan. On a road course. <laughs> I know, but the problem I have this it's not it's not a true race series because. Let's say you. Now, not all racers do this. Jeff Gordon used to race both of them. But a lot of racers, what they'll do is they'll hire in a hired gun that races road courses to drive their car. Not so much these days. Not so much these Not days. so much, but they it still does to, happen. They, they but, and the problem is, the car still gets the points. One of them they used to always grab. Yeah, the car gets the points, not the driver. Yeah, they don't do that, that anymore. So Valentino yeah. Rossi can't ride because he broke his ankle or whatever. He doesn't get any points. Maybe somebody hops on his bike. 46 doesn't get any points. No, but the, the sponsors get their bike out on the track. And that's basically what NASCAR does a lot of time is the car will be on the That's the problem with NASCAR. It's not about the driver. It's about the sponsors. Mm-hmm. So it's all about the money. It. But yeah. that's why they're the biggest fucking... No. That's why they got all the sponsors. Because yeah. the fans like it. And, and it comes totally down... Like I just said, I just said a minute ago... Five years ago, World Superbike was the best motorcycle racing, period. It was. On TV. Yep. If you could watch or go to a race, they were, the racing was phenomenal. Was Troy Bayless still racing? had an era. Yep. AMA had an era. Or Moto America had an era. Moto America is actually coming back. They've got some really good racing. Yep. That's what it's about. But the problem is, to me, you cannot keep production motorcycles which and Moto America is running and World Superbike you cannot keep them almost exact 
And that's what NASCAR does. It's exact. All those cars, I don't care if it says Toyota, I don't care if it says Chevy, I don't care if it says Ford. They're spec'd out. Right. Like a cardboard box. And they, and when you win, it's you have a teammate and you're drafting each other. They are spec'd out. Those mm-hmm. cars produce the same horsepower. Those cars, and that makes for really good racing. Mm-hmm. They're right there. Motor, uh, when um, motorcycle racing started doing a spec tire, it made for better racing. Most of the series run one tire now. When they run a bunch of different tires, some tires worked really good on other tracks, some tires sucked on other tracks. So the guys that had the tires that worked on that track were gone. Mm. And there was a lot of variables, and so when you scale it down to where you can get it as close as possible, which the problem with the motorcycles is they get the manufacturers don't do that. Once mm. t- the manufacturers are going to produce the best thing they can, and so you have a domination for a certain cycle. Yamaha's really good on the 600s. Yamaha's dominated the 600 Supersport class for years now. Yamaha's pretty much started dominating the 1000 side of the fence. Suzuki just came out with a, a, a bike a couple years ago. Now, Suzuki's starting to dominate it a little bit more. But, there's they're, they're kind of transitioning between each other. So Yamaha and Suzuki are battling out pretty good. Plus, the riders riders are totally there but you put the best rider on the best bike he's gone Jonathan Ray doesn't, world superbike doesn't matter who's Jonathan what type Ray, of bike it is it's Jonathan Ray Jonathan Ray rode Honda for years and years and years and he'd go to Aston on that same ass Honda and kick everybody's ass hmm. everywhere else he'd get stomped now he's on Cali nobody can touch stop him stop him anywhere Wow. When, that bike is that much Anybody who better. races in World Superbike against Jonathan Ray is racing for and it second. Doesn't just come down to They're the racing bike. for second place. It just does. Just I mean, Chaz Davies, he's badass. He's on a Ducati. It's he's a riding the wheels. Bike. He's riding the wheels. He's riding the wheels off of it. Certain tracks, he stomps Jonathan. Mm. I mean, Jonathan does everything he possibly can on certain tracks where the duck works really well, but. There, once again, there's that transition. Duck's good here. The Cowie's good here. And then, it's the teams. You got, you got, a, you got the engineers and stuff. Just like these IMSA teams, you got that really good guy there mm-hmm. too. That makes a difference as well. But on bikes, it's how well you can make that bike go, and how well you can make that, how comfortable you can make that rider. Mm-hmm. If he's as yeah. comfortable as possible. He's gonna go as fast as possible. Then it totally, yeah. Drives up their confidence. That's, yeah, the yeah. That's yeah. one of the differences between a car and well, not necessarily. You make a car as comfortable as possible for a driver, you can do it. It's gonna do the same thing. Yeah, but if bikes, you bridge that gap of of you know bikes, engineering and, and mental yes, capacity. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. Comfort, 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 absolutely. comfort, ability, ability, ability. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the bikes, I think it takes it a that little step farther yep. because okay. the bike the rider is so much more but see the problem the problem bike. is when it comes down to motorcycle riders is that there's some riders they all ride different uh, there's riders who ride really heavy on the front tire there's riders who ride really heavy on the back um, so you get a you get a you get a rider like Rossi is really front tire heavy and he gets a lot of front wheel chatter he's not going to be comfortable Stoner, mm-hmm. but Stoner yeah Stoner, yeah. Stoner, yeah nobody nobody could ride a Ducati Right. For years. Nobody could get on his Ducati, right? I mean, as soon as Stoner got on it, Stoner won like three three championships on it. And then after that, they actually 
Nobody had to redevelop did anything. It. Had to redevelop it. Oh so God. it's a, it, it all depends yeah. upon the, the the comfortability of the of the writer is 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 important. But yeah. it's the machine. It's it's the package. So many things to consider. Run this podcast for another three hours <laughs> with a couple guys who really don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> We're still going to talk stuff that is going to be relevant, really. I yeah. mean, but they're way beyond us, yeah, uh, ability-wise. But still, which is, which makes this whole thing fascinating, and you know, this <gasps> brings everybody together. In our own little world, we're fast as hell. Yeah, those guys are just gods. Well, yeah, yeah we, we <laughs> talked about that earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, Robert, for taking the time to. Hey, uh, no problem, man. We we got to get out. out there and entertain. Yeah, people. we got we got some camping to do, so That's right. we appreciate you taking the time. Robert. Thank you, buddy. The Rad 